What would you do if you couldn't buy food at the grocery store? These are the sort of questions I like to roll around in my head. I've actually done this ever since I was a little kid. I would think, you know, what would I do in this situation? Or if this went down, how would I respond? I think it's just kind of how I process things. But even as an adult, I feel like asking ourselves these sort of questions and having some strategy built around the answers can be really, really important, not only in just being prepared for whatever life may throw our way, but also just to give ourselves more peace of mind. So in this episode, we are going to mull over uh, this question. What would you do? You couldn't go to the grocery store for who knows, any number of reasons. What would you do? How would you feed yourself and your family? So I'll give you some of my ideas and some things for you to think over in your own life as well. You're listening to the Old Fashioned On Purpose podcast, where ambitious people master the art of returning to their roots. Have you found yourself disenchanted with society or wishing you could opt out of the rat race? Perhaps you're craving a life that's meaningful and tangible, a life where you can create and produce instead of merely consume. I'm Jill Winger, best-selling author and longtime homesteader. Over the last 10 years, I've helped thousands of families create more connection, grow amazing organic food, and find the ultimate fulfillment through an old-fashioned lifestyle. And I can do the same for you. Now, on to our episode. So I feel like the first thing I want to say to this topic, and this is something that's really important to me, whenever I start to talk about preparedness, or I don't know, survival, the right word, I don't know, preparedness, or things like this, is I don't ever come at these topics from a spirit of fear. I don't lay awake at night and worry about this. I just don't. I will not let that have control of my life in that way. And honestly, I guess if you, by definition, I probably am a prepper in a small way, but I've always pushed back against that designation because I really dislike a lot of the prepper industry. Not necessarily like what they do per se, but how they market, I find it despicable. It's all fear-based marketing. And it's always like giant flashing warning signs. The world's going to end tomorrow. You need to buy this thing. I just really dislike it. It really drives me crazy. And I've known a number of prepper folks who literally consume fear 24-7. They're wild-eyed. You know, they have heart palpitations. It's not a way to live. We're not supposed to live like that. I refuse to live like that. So When I am talking about any sort of preparedness, for me, it comes out of a sense of, you know, wanting to have peace of mind and just having a plan. I think a plan is is huge. And I'm not a prepper necessarily in the traditional sense. I don't have all the bases covered. I, I definitely could do better. But I think for us, at least in this day and age, 2021 and 2020, of course, and the roller coaster that we are on right now, you know, there could be a number of scenarios. That's the that's the point that Christian and I always find ourselves whenever we talk about prepping. At least in the past, it was always, well, you know, let's say there's an EMP attack. Well, are we going to stay in our homestead or are we going to go to the mountains? Or what would we do here? What would we do there? What if it's, you know, an invasion? And do we stay here and defend it? Or and there's always, we always get kind of stuck in the weeds of the scenarios and having, you know, having all of the stuff ready for all the scenarios is very overwhelming. So honestly, we would kind of have those conversations and be like, Meh, <laughs> moving on. But all that to say, with our current situation in the world around us, I feel like 
um, the biggest issue that we kind of have facing us or looming over us is this idea of shortages. Now, in 2020, obviously, we saw some crazy shortages. The toilet paper will we'll go down in history. Um, the flour, the yeast, the baking soda, the beef shortages where you're like rationing how many packages of burger you can buy at your grocer's uh, cooler. Like that was unprecedented, of course. And I think I naively, and maybe some of you as well, I kind of thought, well, that was just a reaction to this global pandemic, which was kind of a a big deal. And I thought, well, we're going to be moving through that. And what I'm seeing, at least at the time of this recording, I'm seeing some interesting little um, flutterings and hintings at other shortages coming for various reasons. You know, um, I think I told you guys on a previous episode, a couple episodes ago, we started shipping our beef finally. Like it's a really big deal for us because it's been many years in the making, raising these calves. And finally we got the first batch butchered and and here we are. And we, our goal has always been to ship it because um, there's a lot of beef in our part of Wyoming. We want to get it out to the rest of the country. And so how we ship the beef to ensure that it doesn't arrive to your doorstep you know, nasty is you put dry ice in the box and you put insulation and we have this eco-friendly packaging and it's a whole thing. It took us like months to figure this out and how much dry ice we put in there and, and how it all balances out and the minimum number of pounds in a box. And it's like this whole ordeal. And so we've been shipping for a couple of weeks now. It's been going really well. Um, I've had a lot of orders and I've had people say, you know, the, I, I live in Florida and the beef was pretty much frozen when it got to me. So it was like celebration. And then Monday, our hired man, his name is Taryn. Taryn goes to Safeway, the grocery store, to go get um, dry ice because that's where we've been getting it. It's the closest place to us right now. And they're like, yeah, we're out. There's a shortage of CO2. And it's just like, what? Like, come on. <laughs> the shortages are bizarre, don't you think? Like, just the weirdest things are are on short supply. Um, whether, you know, last year it was like the, the metal, the aluminum for like aluminum cans or whatever. And then that got weird with the canning lids. And then we you know there was the shortage, shortage of seeds for a while. And then there was like just the weirdness of the shortages. And I, I feel like from what I'm hearing in some of the reports I'm seeing, I was seeing a video on the news. Well, I don't watch the news, but I saw it reposted on Instagram of all the, the big, um, ships sitting in the, the Harbor, I think it was California, like there's a whole shipping container thing and a backup and part of it's related to um, supply shortages and workforce shortages and COVID. I don't even know. I don't even fully understand what what is causing all of this, but I know there's some funky shortage stuff happening. And I know that I want to be as prepared as I can be for that. Um, and I don't want to be a sitting duck. And last year, when we had the beef shortage and the flour shortage, like we were fine, not because I had necessarily prepped for that exact scenario, but just because of the way we live our life, it set us up to be okay. We already had what we needed. I didn't really have to go to the store. Um, I don't stockpile toilet paper and I don't intend to ever stockpile toilet paper. So that was a little bit touch and go, but we did fine. We didn't completely ever run out. And honestly, I don't know about you, in the grand scheme of things to run out of, like toilet paper doesn't freak me out that much. I'm sorry. I'm just saying it. <laughs> like, I feel like we could figure out other creative alternatives to toilet paper if we had to. So it just killed me last year when everybody, like 
I'm like, you guys, stuff, there's, yeah, shortages or there's this, we, you know, at that point, we didn't know what the virus was like and everyone was super scared of the virus um, and, and being extra cautious. Well, honestly, some people are still doing that now, but that's, I'm not going to go, I'm just not going to go there. Um, but anyway, so it was just funny to me that toilet paper was the thing that people thought they should stock up first. I'm like, you can't eat toilet paper, y'all. You you can't eat it. So I don't know. Toilet paper is low on the list. So I have no strategies for you on the toilet paper, but I, let's talk some food. <laughs> food I can do. And um, I don't know. I just don't know what, I don't know what we're going to be looking at in the coming year with what the grocery store shelves are going to look like. Um, I feel like the other potential thing to consider is I, I hope it doesn't come to this. I, I have some small amount of faith that there will be some measures that will not allow it to come to this. But I, I tend to wonder like, if someone chose to make a certain medical choice for themselves, if they would not be allowed to go shop for food. Because I have seen certain individuals in public offices call for that scenario to happen. It doesn't mean it will happen. Um, doesn't mean that will be allowed to happen. But I just, you know, it makes me think, what if I wasn't allowed to go to the grocery store? Or what if um, I, what if there wasn't food at the grocery store or there wasn't a lot of food? What would I do? So I wonder how many emails I'm going to get for what I just said, but I said it. So moving on, <laughs> here we go. Um, some things to consider. Uh, I think the biggest one for me, when I think about, let's say the grocery store was gone. The luxury, and it is a luxury, mind you, it is a luxury to buy food at a grocery store. It's a luxury that most of humanity didn't have the ability to partake in for for since the beginning of time, right? It's a luxury. And we now consider food to be someone else's responsibility until it gets to our fork. And it's really such a skewed perception of food. Food is our responsibility, I believe. And, it, you know, not to say I don't go to the grocery store because I still obviously buy things. I can't produce salt and bananas here in our homestead. So I'm happy to exchange my hard-earned dollars for things of value. There's nothing wrong with that. But um, I tend to push back against this idea that food is someone else's responsibility until I start to eat it. Like, I believe that it's our responsibility as humans. And it's a beautiful responsibility that gives us a whole lot of benefits when we partake in that cycle beyond just the stuff we put into our mouth. So the first thing I consider is what can I produce myself? And I realize that could be a tricky question for those of you who live in you know apartments or you have small backyards, but likely, likely there's more that you can produce than you think, especially if you have a little plot of land in your front yard. I mean, you might have to sacrifice the lawn, but in the grand scheme of things, I think that's a pretty good thing to sacrifice. And so, you know, when we look at different points in history, um, you know, like World War II, the Victory Gardens was a thing. And if you look at the statistics of, I don't even have them in front of me, I should have looked those up. The statistics of how much food they grew in those Victory Gardens, it's unreal. It's so cool. Why couldn't we do that again? You know, it's just this idea of breaking free of this idea that, well, food has to come from the grocery store. Well, you know, why do you think that? Well, because that's what I've always done. Well, and we have to just get out of that cycle of thinking. And so I think it was a couple seasons ago, we had the Victory Garden podcast season and we talked all about gardening and, and everything you need to know to have a successful garden. I think it was this past spring. So you can go check out those episodes. 
But there's so much ability to produce food, even in a suburban neighborhood, it's unreal. You know, if, if neighbors banded together and had chickens, or, you know, you said to heck with the, the homeowners associations and you and there are some goats and for milk or for meat or rabbits for meat or bees for honey, there's so much that most humans could produce. And even if you are in an apartment, you know, then you have windowsill gardens or balcony gardens, or there's ways you can grow salad greens um, or, or sprouts or things like that indoors. So there's a lot of potential there. So that's kind of always what I look at first. What can I produce myself? And then the next thing I, I like to consider is what can I source from my community. Because let's say in the event of some sort of worldwide breakdown of shipping and there are shortages on, you know, this, everything in the supply chain, or that maybe there's not even a breakdown, it's just a bottleneck. And I think that's what we see happening a lot now, just some major bottlenecking happening. You know, we don't want to be ordering stuff from China if we can help it, or, you know, we want to be keeping things as local as possible. And that's going to help us circumvent a lot of those shortages. And so I think starting to look and vet the people in your area who are farmers and ranchers and producers and growers, like get to know them now, start supporting them now so they'll be around in the future. Um, and we did see that happen a little bit in 2020 in the spring when, you know, you couldn't get the beef. So everybody started looking at local farmers and farmers markets and it was awesome. And I think a lot of people, as soon as the beef came back into the grocery stores, they kind of forgot about the person who was growing it in their backyard and they went back to the grocery store. So I'm going to encourage you to not do that and to stay committed to those local food producers because they could really be a lifeline in the event of some bottlenecks or some shortages. And it's just good for your local economy anyway. Like these are things like, here's, here's my philosophy on prepping for the most part. In being prepared, I like to do things that are going to give me quality of life regardless if zombies come or not. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not into a whole bunch of crazy zombie preps. I want stuff that I'm going to enjoy and that tastes good and that's going to bring quality of life to me 24-7 regardless of what happens in the world. That's best case scenario. Obviously, there's a few exceptions to that. But, um, you know... Supporting your local farmers, ranchers, farmers market vendors, that's not that's not going to be a bad thing regardless of what's happening in the world. So seek them out now. Figure out who has the beef, who has the chicken, who's making the jams, who you can trade with, who's willing to barter, who you could help and maybe in exchange for some veggies, things like that. That's good to know now and to really create that community um, ahead of time. Okay, and then the other thing I like to consider is you know, what do I want to have on hand? What do I want to stock up on? And I have videos and, and stuff on YouTube. And I think I have some other podcast episodes where I kind of talk about what's in my pantry. And I keep a pretty robust pantry. Most of the things in there are not your typical like survival foods. Um, I don't do the MREs or a lot of that. Like I've been getting ads for a lot lately, like on Instagram, where, where you buy this package of survival food, it's freeze dried or whatever. I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but you know, it's not going to be food you're going to want to eat unless you're absolutely desperate. So my goal has always been, I want to keep foods on hand that we're kind of eating and using anyway. I just have an extra quantity of them. 
And so for me, that's um, things like coconut oil. I just, I get my coconut oil in five gallon buckets. I just ordered some the other day from Tropical Traditions. I have a link to that in my shop. I have a uh, shop on my blog and I will put that down in the show notes. You can check out some of that stuff, you know, and wheat berries, wheat berries are the whole grain wheat and beans and honey and peanut butter and salt. You know, I've talked about Redmond salt. I'll drop a link for them down in the show notes as well. I just bought another 25 pound bag of their fine sea salt. I, it took me about a year to go through the first bag. So that's pretty good. Um, but I bought another one cause you gotta have salt and what else? Sugars and succinates and flour. If you want to do a little flour, flour can go bad. So you gotta be careful getting too much of that. So that's what I'm stocking. And those are the things I'm using anyway. Right. Um, I do have some selection. It's not huge, but many years ago I bought some soups from, uh, what's it called? Thrive. It's not Thrive Market because it's confusing because there's Thrive Market, which is like an Amazon Whole Foods subscription service for organic stuff. They're great. I've used them in the past, but this is a company called Thrive and they've specialized in like freeze dried fruits and vegetables. And they also have some whole whole meals like soups and, and stews that you reconstitute with water. So I got some of those a number of years ago, like quite a while ago. I think I was a little baby blogger back at the time and I got some as a part of a promotion. And I have those, but I've, I've tried a few of the soups and they're not something I would probably eat if I wasn't needing something to eat. You know what I mean? Like they're not, they're just not my style to serve that up for supper. They just, I don't love them. My family doesn't love them. They're not horrible. It's probably not as bad as an MRE, but, um, just not my favorite. So I have a little bit of that, but my preference is to just keep a kind of working supply of the food we're eating anyway. And, and along with that, a really, really important piece of that is to be able to cook with those ingredients that you have on hand, right? And and that's something I think a lot of folks sometimes forget is, um, well, it's funny, like my parents did a little prepping for Y2K. Did any of y'all do that or your parents do that? Like we lived in this little neighborhood. We didn't live in the country or anything, but my parents still had some food on hand in case the whole thing was like the computers crash and, you know, the whole, whole world ends, whatever. So my parents bought, like everybody else they knew at the time, a ton of wheat and a ton of beans and a ton of lentils. And I think my mom still has some of that in the basement up until like just a couple years ago, like a long time. And the funny, the funny part is about that. A lot of people bought wheat berries, but they didn't really know how to use wheat berries. My, my mom did. She'd made bread with her Bosch mixer for a number of years. So she knew how to do it. But like a lot of people were like, I have wheat for the end of the world. And I'm like, but what are you gonna do with that wheat? If the end of the world does happen, do you know how to use it? So I think it's really important to have those skills ahead of time. And again, it goes into what I was saying. It's gonna increase your quality of life regardless. So it's a good thing to know. And that was the fun part uh, last year, the whole yeast shortage. So weird, right? Just weird. The yeast shortage I was like, I don't need your yeast. I got my sourdough skills. And as did the whole rest of the world, sourdough became the thing. And so have those skills now, the fermenting, the um, curing and the canning and the bread baking and the gardening, have those skills now. It's not going to hurt you. And it's only just going to set you up um, for whatever the world sends our way over the next couple of years. So those are my questions for you. What can you grow? What can you source from your community? What can you band together on? You know, when we built our greenhouse last year, I think I've explained this on other episodes, but you know, that was a big investment for us. 
Like I, I had some heartburn right after we bought it. We got a good deal on it. Like greenhouse mega store. They're awesome. Um, it's a fantastic structure, but it was not, it, it, it was not super cheap, right? It was an investment. It, I won't say it's expensive because expensive denotes that it wasn't worth what I paid for it. It's absolutely worth what I paid for it, but it, the materials cost money, which is fine. I don't have a problem with that, but it did cost money. And like writing that check was like, Ugh, that, that ouch. But, um, number one, I'm glad to have that money invested back in my property in something that can secure our food supply. I feel like that's a great investment at this point in time. And I also, we built it the size we did because we wanted to have a little wiggle room if we did want or need to grow vegetables or greens or lettuce or spinach for the people around us, we could do so, right? So really beefing up that community. I totally got off on a rabbit trail there. I was on the second question. What can you grow? What can you source for your community? But all that to say, think about maybe as you're doing your homesteading or your, your preps, what can you do that really bolsters your community anyway? And that you could use to strengthen the resources that your community has or your friend group or the family that's around you. Uh, that's really, really crucial. And then lastly, um, what do you need to stock up on? Have some in your pantry. If you don't have a pantry, put it under your bed in Tupperwares. Or, you know, you can put your bulk grains out in your garage. It won't hurt them if they get cold out there. So you can stash food all over the place in your house. It doesn't have to have a big fancy larder or a root cellar or a pantry. Some of you may recall I was supposed to build, we were supposed to build a root cellar this year and then the soda fountain happened. So we have not done that. I do not have a root cellar, but I'm still squirreling food away in my basement. And I have a nice little um, grouping of all my can jars or my canning jars and my peanut butter and my coconut oil. It's all down there. And it's such a fun little place to go hang out. <laughs> I love being surrounded by um, canned food in a pantry. I know that's so weird, but it makes me happy. And then of course, lastly, know how to use the food that you are saving or growing or, or, or sticking in the pantry. You want to know how to turn those ingredients into actual meals, right? And make them taste good. And you can start doing that now. And the cool part is it's going to save you money right now and it's going to boost your skill set, and it's going to be healthier for you. And if the end of the world comes great, if not, you're still doing good. So it's a win-win all the way around. So anyway, Friends, that was, or those were a few of my thoughts on what I would do if I couldn't buy food at the grocery store. I'd love to hear some of your strategies. Are you a freeze dryer person? Do you have one of those machines? Are you doing, you know, survival meals? Are you doing canning? Are you doing root cellaring? Send your ideas and strategies my way. I'm always into um, other techniques and ideas. It's so fun to share. And if you'd like some more ideas from me on topics like this, of being a, a free thinker and thinking outside the box and pushing against conformity, I have just started a new little newsletter group just for people like you and I. And you can join it. It's free over at theprairiehomestead.com slash free thinker. And I'll drop a link down in the show notes as well. But it's theprairiehomestead.com slash free thinker. And that's it. For today, my friends, I hope this episode was helpful. Again, I never come at these topics from a spirit of fear or panic, just more from an idea of I want to be prepared and I want to have a strategy and the things I'm doing are going to benefit my life either way, no matter what. So I hope that was helpful for you today and we'll catch up on the next episode of the Old Fashioned On Purpose podcast.